Hey everybody, as we start the show, I want to tell you about Underdog Collectibles. They're one of my sponsors, and they're a new shop based in Knoxville, Tennessee. They're run by collectors and for collectors. Join them as they break every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night, and they ship the cards out the next day. You'll find the hottest new products in a community that's fun to hang out with as well. Join the underdogs at udogcollect.com or on Facebook. Always bet on the underdog. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 50th episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. We've made it 50 episodes. I wasn't sure if I would make it this long when I started back in December, but I knew I wanted to give it a chance and have some fun and learn something new along the way, and that's what I've done. And I want to thank all of you for supporting the show, for listening, for providing me feedback on how I can make it better and being patient with me as I learned along the way. I still got a lot of learning to do. I think there are still more improvements that I can make as the the show continues, but excited that I've made it through 50 episodes so far, and I wanted just wanted to thank you for being a part of that journey. Today, I sat down with Ben Wilson. Uh, he's one of the co-hosts of the About the Card show. He is also one of the co-hosts of the Hobby Hotline, and he's somebody I met through um, actually as a as a customer. He was a customer of mine on Sport Lots, and we had ultimately started following each other on Twitter, got to know each other a little bit, got to know him a little bit better through the About the Card show as well as the Hobby Hotline. He's somebody who's quite opinionated and he doesn't uh, pull any punches when he's interacting with people on Twitter and some people appreciate that about Ben and that also, as Ben admits, uh, rubs some people the wrong way. And so we talk a little bit about his collecting background, his online persona and some of the things that come along with that. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I know I enjoyed getting a chance to sit down and talk with Ben. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and run the interview. All right. Well, today I want to welcome to the show Ben Wilson, one of my fellow co-hosts on the Hobby Hotline, uh, somebody that I've had a chance to sit in on some of their shows on the About the Cards podcast and wanted to, to bring in Ben today just to chat with another fellow collector and a fellow content creator and just to kind of see how things are going. So welcome, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it. Love your podcast. Um, love that about the cards podcast is kind of the dad of yours. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I hear. I, <laughs> I hear that about the cards birthed my podcast. I'm, I'm willing to accept that. That's fine. You guys did give me a start in front of the microphone and getting a chance to sit in on you guys' show uh, really kind of helped me understand that it was something that I enjoyed. So there is a little bit of truth to that. Well, it's on YouTube now forever and ever. So even <laughs> if you don't like it, uh, even if we just made it up on the spot, it's it's on YouTube. So it's, it's got to fa- be it's, true. It's fact. Well, I thought we could start with, you know, just a, a question about your A's fandom. You know, most people, if they've been listening at all to you or follow you at all, they know you are an A's fan and an A's super collector. But I don't know that I've ever heard the story about how you actually became an A's fan. So 
it, it kind of all happened at the same time, both trading cards and being a Nays fan. I was seven at my cousin's 10th birthday party, and my aunt gave everybody two packs of, of Topps uh, 86. And my cousin was an A's fan. Um, my, my aunt suffered from epilepsy. It ended up taking her life in 93. And she worked up and down the California, basically the whole state, working with uh, firefighters, police officers, a lot of different state agencies that dealt with the public to know the difference between somebody who was drunk and somebody who was suffering from epileptic seizures, you know, post-seizure, uh, because they're, they're very similar. And as a result, we got a lot of A's tickets as a family. Um, you know, a lot of A's season ticket holders at the time that that team was getting really good, you know, as we we're getting into 87. And um, so, you know, my cousin collected the team. They very well could have easily been the San Francisco Giants, but uh, it just ended up being the East Bay and the A's. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, going to 30 games a, a year in 87, 88, 89 spawn my love for the team and then you know the trading cards went along with it now so you've you collected you know throughout your your childhood it sounds like did you collect kind of everything then was it only baseball was it multiple sports what did you collect earlier on sure it was 90 percent, 95 percent baseball obviously you know with the a's we would would get everything that came with the complete set and then generally try to get a team set on the side for an A's binder. Um, and then, you know, back then when we were collecting in the junk wax area, you could theoretically collect just about everything your heart desired. You know, there was a limitation to how many sets there were. In fact, in, when I first got in 87, score was still a year away. Upper deck was two years away. Leaf was four years away. Uh, Don, Russ, and Fleer were still relatively in their infancy. Um, so as, outside of the complete sets, um, you know, you really just had all those, those, the, the 33 and 44 card sets that you'd get over at Remco and, and KB and, and Woolworths and whatnot. So, um, but coming back into the hobby in 2010, you know, took me six months to realize you can't collect anything unless you're a, a millionaire and, uh, have finite, you know, infinite resources or at least higher, higher resources than that of an hourly wage person. Sure. So, so is that the point then that you narrowed your focus to only collecting A's and kind of pivoted to, to being an A's only collector? Yeah. I started collecting McFarland's actually in 2010 and I went into an LCS trying to grab a specific Lou Gehrig variant. Uh, it was the, uh, the sepia version of him bowing his head in front of the, uh, the infamous microphone. And while I was in there, my, my wife and I were talking, she's like, okay, you can get one box of cards from one sport and I let her choose it. And it was 2010 tops football. We went home and built the set. You know, this was the first time I found autographs and relics in packs. And uh, I liked baseball and like the A's. So I was like, you know, can I steer her towards that? And after a few months, it kind of became, we're just going to collect a little bit of whatever. And then you start realizing I'm spending hundreds of dollars uh, and, and can't complete sets in a lot of the cases, the insert sets, you can't complete those products are coming out faster than you can open it. It took about two years. Uh, 2012 Tops Chrome really was the one that said, hey, you're not going to be able to collect everything. So what makes me most happy? Uh, what is, you know, and I always tell people this all the time when they're trying to focus their collection is what makes you happy at the end of the day? Is it collecting complete sets, uh, insert sets, autos, relics? Do you just want to collect a player or a team? 
or some combination thereof. And if you can ask yourself that and answer it honestly, because only you know your your finances, I had to ask myself that. So around 2012, you know, late summers when I decided I'm just gonna have to collect the A's, I can't do anything else. All right. Now, you like to discuss your deep knowledge of economics and business, yet you also seem or yet you also seem to relish as being a collector only. And so I was just kind of curious, what is your aversion to selling and maybe the business side of collecting? You know, this is one of those, and I, I know you and I see a lot, uh, our, our philosophy on cards and business, despite the fact that I don't partake like you do uh, as a self-sustaining hobby, we do have a lot of the same philosophy on how to get from point A to point B from the financial side. Um, and this is really where my education and resume conflicts with my collector side because you know on one hand everything that I've done since the time I, I turned 18 whether it's education or, or you know, work experience suggests you should be selling and and you know I could be extremely successful but at the same time it's like this is a hobby it was a hobby when I was seven and I didn't care about the selling side granted I need everybody to open up packs for me because I need those ace cards out of there and I'm not doing it myself so I need people like yourself um, you know, a lot of our mutual friends and then just people we don't know on eBay that can, you know, support that side. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of money in this hobby to be made that, that goes without saying. Uh, and if you do it right, you, you very well could be successful like yourself. And I know you've spoken on a lot of your podcasts about how to create a self-sustaining hobby for yourself, how you can get it over time. Of course, it's not overnight, but to, to really build a foundation as to how I can buy and sell and collect at the same time and have your purchases, you know, basically collecting is right in the middle. I'm going to buy something. I'm going to keep everything I want and sell off the, the rest. Uh, and that creates a self-sustaining hobby because you're going to open up a box of cards and you're not going to want everything. And there's nothing wrong with selling off the excess to either, you know, fund your hobby solely or at least a portion thereof. And some people are going to be better than others. Um, but you know, the, I, I do think that that is not the same as, as flipping and, or, you know, ripping and flipping and, and quote unquote investing, uh, in cards. Yeah. I think there's, there's kind of a, a middle ground and that's the, the line that I try to walk. I think, you know, there's, there's a piece of that buying and selling for me that adds to the enjoyment. It's mm. the things that I, I'm able to acquire to keep for my own personal collection. I enjoy them more personally, when I know that I've purchased them through the profits I've made from buying and selling other cards. And so that whole process for me adds to the enjoyment of, of collecting, of trading cards, of, of the, the overall hobby world. And so I was just kind of curious because, you know, one of those things that we all have been talking about a lot, especially recently is the increasing costs associated with acquiring a collection. And and so I just, with your business background, I've just been kind of curious on why um, you've hesitated on um, starting to, to potentially work towards offsetting some of that cost. And so I was just curious. Well, you know, I, I, I've considered it, you know, again, you're, you're, you know, the devil on one shoulder versus the devil on the other, you know, devil versus angel. Um, the old saying about uh, an accountant's checkbook is never balanced. A landscaper's yard is never maintained, uh, so on and so forth. You can say that for just about most every profession. 
Um, and, and the reason is, is, you know, you do this for a living, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, five, six days a week for 30 years, 40 years of your life. The last thing you want to do is make something you enjoy part of, you know, the second it goes from being a hobby into a business, because now you're not dealing with, you know, just your money, just Mike's finances, just Ben's finances. Now you're dealing with everybody who's a customer of yours. You know, we've talked about this before. If you get 10 sport lots orders, doesn't matter if they're minimal or hundred dollars. Bottom line is you have 10 sport lots orders. You've accepted money from me and nine other people. Yep. And you're now responsible to, to package those up and you may or may not make you know, an equitable amount of return on, on, you know, if you're looking at one sale in a vacuum, but there's still a time associated with that. Maybe you do, maybe that is cathartic and you enjoy that. But as a whole, it makes it very difficult when I get a package in the mail today and I, I catalog it, enjoy it and file it into my binder. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with creating a self-sustaining hobby. Um, I think we've all considered it. You yourself are living proof that it can be done very well. And you know, I guess the, the big issue I have is, you know, let's talk for a moment and I, you know, hopefully I don't trump a, a question of yours, uh, but we, we know that the McGuire Sosa documentary is coming out. And because of what I collect and the amount of McGuire's in my collection, the financial advisor in me tells me, you're really a, a, a dum-dum if you don't go sell <laughs> all of your McGuire's. How many 87 McGuire's do you need? If you've acquired them at an average of, say, 50 cents, therefore, I've got three or 400 of them laying in a binder. And whenever somebody asks me, how many Project 2020s are you going to buy or how many tops living are you going to buy of a player, I always tell them the same thing. One, because that's all you need. And then I go have this binder that's got 620, 87 McGuire's. Why not just keep three or four? One for the team set, one for the complete set, one for a McGuire binder and sell all the rest because right now they're, they're from what I paid. So if you extrapolate that a $300, $400 binder, all of a sudden becomes five grand. Mm -hmm. The issue is it's probably not sustainable because it is a false market at the moment because people are diving in with, you know, new, new money's coming in. People think that they want it today. It's like, man, if you didn't want this card for the last 35 years, when you could have it pennies on the dollar, you probably don't want it at the top of the bell curve because everybody wants it now, right? You're literally just a sheep. And that means no offense to anybody because sometimes it is, right? Oh, I, the G.I. Joe movie came out. I got to go buy all the G.I. Joes from when I was a kid now because I enjoyed them so much. It's like, well, yeah, but understand you're not alone and you and five, six, 700 people are doing the same thing and that's what's driving that cost. And most everybody's going to kind of turn the back at some point and say, I, I don't really need this. Let me cash out. We're seeing that with Project 2020 right now. Sure. So on Twitter, you are the self-proclaimed sports antagonist. Right. Why try to uh, incite arguments and angst? So I hope it's more debate, right? You and I have had a lot of business and financial debates, and I hope it's done with respect, right? What is your favorite baseball team? The Cubs. Okay, and I'm an A's fan. Luckily for us, because it's American and National League, we can both appreciate the other team without it being a rival. We're not fighting for the same division. It'd be different if it was Cubs and Cardinals or, or A's and, and Astros. And at the end of the day, what I, what I try to strive for is you and I can have a conversation until we're blue in the face about which franchise is better. 
dating back to the dawn of time. And the beauty is both teams were original baseball teams back in the 1800s. So it's not like it's, you know, that's talking about pirates versus the diamondbacks um, where, where the history just isn't there. But at the end of the day, we can make all of our arguments, A's versus Cubs, Cubs versus A's. And, and neither one is going to convince the other one that their team is better than the other. And we can still walk away. Maybe haven't learned something, right? Maybe I don't know as much Cubs history as you do, and maybe I can learn something. And that's what's fun. And, and you know, originally I was the sports antagonist on Twitter because I was going to have a, a baseball-based podcast um, that was just going to kind of do like a weekend review you type thing, you know, for baseball alone. It's not going to be card-related whatsoever. Uh, and then I got really, really sick right before that took off and I was hospitalized for a while. And so that kind of fell off the back burner. So then it was just kind of the moniker kind of stuck. And it's, it's, I hope that people see it as healthy debate. Let's talk about our sides because right now you have so many topics in this world, especially right now that are so sensitive and heightened. I think we really can discuss our points of view and we can walk away friends and having learned something from somebody else, we can still break bread tomorrow despite the fact we disagreed today. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I think debate is good. And I think debate is healthy. I think sometimes it seems that when that crosses the line is when the name calling starts or the, right. you know, that type of thing forces people maybe to cross the line. They weren't originally intending to, to cross at sure. the beginning. Um, have you ever admitted you are wrong on Twitter? God, no. Why would I? <laughs> Michael, we've known each other for quite a while now. What a silly question. Uh, may, may, <laughs> I had to ask. Okay. So saying I'm sorry or I'm wrong is extremely hard, right? It's just natural, right? We all would like to think we're the smartest person in our own mind. Um, so I suppose I've said sorry and I'm wrong in a backhanded avenue, like a back alley kind of a way where I'm not admitting anything that can be used against me at a later date. Um, but that's also part of what's fun is like, hey, just like the kid that got caught in the cookie jar, right? I, I'm eating the cookie. You see it in my mouth. It's all over my face because I, I just shoved it in there. It, it's all over my chest because the cookie, you know, crumbs are everywhere. And I'm still drawing that line in the sand that I didn't eat nothing. And uh, that's what's kind of fun about it, too. And at the end of the day, it's just Twitter, man. It's just social media. Have fun with it. There's so many people that take it so serious. One of my favorite comebacks are, man, do you internet serious? You yeah. know, it's like you take it so and, – and my writing is very uh, – I come across like an a-hole often when I, <laughs> when I write. Uh, and I don't do it intentionally. It's just the way I write, right? I've had so many people that have watched my podcast go, man, you're nothing like you are on Twitter. You're actually kind of a nice guy. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like <laughs> – but no, I, I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong. Unless I admitted it, then I guess I'm going to have to admit right now that I, I'm wrong by saying I didn't. Let's get back to um, something that you touched on a minute ago when I was asking about the the buying and the selling. You know, you said you want you want to be careful about drawing that or not drawing a line or crossing a line that makes that takes away the enjoyment that you right. have from collecting. Right. So what would you say is the thing that you enjoy the most about collecting? What What are baseball cards, right? football cards they're just a picture of, of an athlete on a piece of cardboard some are more aesthetically pleasing than others right what is it that, that 
really draws us into collecting these and that's the memories the associated memories that we have either acquiring these cards or the player themselves right we can go back to a moment in time when when such and such threw a a, a really great game maybe a no hitter even um you know i think today's the 45th anniversary of doc ellis or maybe that was yesterday having pitched his his perfect game on lsd it's like we associate these with memories it takes us back to our childhood so for me when i look at oakland a's cards especially with the onslaught of all the modern day uh older players that they make right you, you don't get a release without all of these retire retired legends and whatnot uh, i was talking to a fellow collector the other day who collects will clark heavily and you know obviously mcguire and will clark are, are kind of synonymous in the bay area with one another um it's like it's it's difficult that they're making so many new products with these guys, but it's also kind of cool because we can go back to when we were ten and collect our favorite players from our youth all over again. And, and I think that's really why what I get is the enjoyment of being able to document a season. Uh, it's that, that puzzle, that chase of you know. Again, it's cathartic. It's it's relaxing. I suffer from high blood pressure, extremely high blood pressure. So when I can open up my database. And I have all of my Oakland A's cards cataloged and I've got new ones to put in. For me, it's just exciting. I would imagine it would be the same as other people that get thrills working on cars. Uh, you know, my wife loves to swim and, and, and whatnot. It's like I'm not a big swimmer anymore. Um, you know, people work in the garden. You know, people go for bike rides for fun, which is just weird to me. But they do, you know. Um, so we all have things, in, and then, of course, anybody, you know, yourself included, anybody out there that's listening to your show right now, shares that same passion with us. Maybe differently, because they choose to collect differently, but at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters in, under the same umbrella. And, you know, even when people pull other cards that aren't A's cards, I really enjoy seeing what other people have cho chosen to collect for themselves and seeing some of the beauty and the art behind it, because I think that's really what it is. It's all art. And people are, are, you know, with Project 2020, it's like, I mean, that's really art, right? Mm -hmm. from, from artists. And people are, are acting like this is the first time they've ever considered a baseball card as art. And I'm like, have you seen the 1952 top set? Have you seen the 53 top set? I mean, these are just wonderful works of art. We, we both share a good friend, Nick Wasica, who's a photographer. Yep. That's art. You know, the, the artistry and the stadium club cards, the, the, the beauty of the captured in a moment as it's happening in real time is just phenomenal and i think that's what i personally enjoy the most do you ever see yourself continuing to adapt or evolve your focus or is there something that would cause you to consider adapting your focus again as far as the pc goes yeah no no because it i at the end of the day again resources are finite for all of us and some of us have a little bit more some of us can create a self-sustaining hobby to to kind of you know put our our money right back where it came from um but for me it's just ace cards are the are the best even when i see something like tops living which i've dabbled in um you know i've got about a third of the set most of them are retired players with some select players that uh you know eventually will get there right the, the max scherzers of the world um so i kind of am selective with that but the way i look at it every five dollars i spend that isn't an ace card is five dollars i could have spent on an ace card what about from the perspective of still being A's focused, but potentially pivoting to, I'm no longer going to worry about tracking down certain parallels or certain inserts. I'm only going to focus on 
the standard base cards, or I'm not going to worry about new releases and I'm going to focus more on getting all of the vintage and pre-war and all of the old stuff that I've never, never gotten before. And that's where I'm going to put my focus, even, even within the A's realm, are there considerations of ever adapting what you go after? Yeah. My, my ultimate goal, my, my database goes back to, to 1909. If, if in a perfect world, I would have every card from 1909 through current, every base card and insert card first and foremost, ultimately that's really where I want my, my focus to be. And I do collect some team sets. A lot of what I, I'm missing still are either the higher price stuff from the pre-war era or uh, some of the harder to find stuff from like some of the, the food issues in the 50s and 60s. Uh, but a lot of it is from when I stopped collecting around 93 till around 09. And a lot of those can be bought as team sets. It's just a matter of going out there and, and spending that same $100 on 15 team sets that they're going to net you 300 cards. Um, I have tried to pull back over the last year or so on not buying every autograph or relic that comes out. Um, it's just, it's difficult. Obviously with COVID, I ended up spending a lot more money on Gypsy Queen and Donruss this year because that's where the hobby kind of stagnated and paused for a moment. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, with some of the stuff that move forward, you know, right now tier one is out diamond icons as of, as of this recording is the next big one on the, the release calendar. And it's, if I don't get anything from that, I don't get anything from that. I don't, how many Jesus Lazardo autos do you really need unless that's your PC? Right. You yeah. know, if that's your guy and that's all you're going to collect, like our friend Tanner Jones, who, who was Conseco and Conseco only, and he had to have every parallel ever from one of one all the way up to the highest one as well as base cards and good for him. But you know what? He wasn't collecting really much outside of that. Well, I think that gave people a, a little look under the hood of of Ben Wilson, and I think uh, that that will be good for people to hear. Uh, where can people follow you, Ben? Sure, I'm I'm on Twitter. If you haven't blocked me already, at our <laughs> trading cards, O U R trading cards, and then of course at about the cards as well as our weekly podcast. Which, uh, as of this recording, I think you might be on it this week with us. Uh, yes, I think I will. It will probably have been, this will probably be coming out on Friday. So it will probably have been a couple days before in, in, in the past. So go back and check out the last episode of about the cards. (laughs) If you want to see a special co-host. Uh, specials, right. Um, (laughs) it's always fun when you're on though. And so, yeah, uh, about the cards and of course the hobby hotline, which, uh, is now available Saturdays and Mondays, uh, Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. And I think I think we're kind of settling on Monday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 yes. Eastern, and whatever time it is in the middle of the, the country. 7 Central. <laughs> so, uh, But, yeah, we have a lot of fun on that. And, uh, man, again, you learn so much. Uh, and I think that's really what, what is fun about social media, what's fun about the podcasts. We can learn from each other. And, uh, you know, then the Hobby Hotline, we're learning from – our listeners all the time. And, and uh, of course from one another, and we all bring a different, slightly different perspective on the hobby. And I think that's, what's unique is, you know, we're all the different flavors of the rainbow. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun to be a part of so far. Yeah. Well, thank you again for coming on. At anytime, Mike. Appreciate it. 
there you have it. Another little peek behind the curtain of the man that is Ben Wilson. Thanks, Ben, again for coming on and taking the time to chat a little bit about the hobby and your thoughts on a variety of issues. Reach out and let me know what you think about that interview and the podcast in general. You can reach me at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at the Mike Summer on TikTok at waxpackhero and a variety of other social media locations. I would love to hear your thoughts. You can also listen to the Hobby Hotline live each Saturday morning and Monday evening. We take calls from you, the listener, and get a chance to just hang out and talk about cards, what's on your mind, what questions you have, and uh, just hear from a variety of resources in the hobby. So check out the Hobby Hotline as well. Well, that's all I've got for you today. So thanks for listening, and I'll catch you later.